On today, mission six of Rogue Padrim. Who's the best pilot? Corrin's got a bad feeling about this. Rogue Squadron's loss and a plan to get even with the Empire. Bum, bum, bum! Yeah! This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue six, standing by. Rogue seven, standing by. Rogue three, standing by. What's wrong with your computer? There's no rubbish bag in my room because my dad took it out. That's New Zealish for trash oh. bag. Oh. oh. I got it. Jeez. You're a trash bag. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was so mean. Wow. Hi, Saf. It's good to see you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm looking cool. at up Rogue Padre. <laughs> so rude. I know we're all feeling a lot of emotions sleep. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad about Lujane, too. <laughs> <laughs> don't even don't even talk about Lujane to me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello is, and welcome oh, to the latest episode <laughs> of Rogue <laughs> 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 yes, like... <laughs> Padre. Hey, let's uh let's do some podcasting. Woo! We've uh, Dead missed each Look at me podcasting. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let's take that again. <laughs> No, it's good. No, put it, keep it in there. I don't care. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Rogue Padron. I'm sure you missed us all last week. We at least missed you. So <laughs> we're glad to be back this week with a brand new um, episode for you guys. Quick reminder on your hosts. We have Rogue 7, Saf, who was on a scouting mission for most of last week in the wilds of Melbourne. Help me, I couldn't escape. <laughs> You're back now, Saf. You're safe. Oh, thank God. We have Rogue 3 Heath, who is undercover fighting for justice in the streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> Always. Rogue 6 Danny, who spent his time conducting wild experiments somewhere in the middle of the USA. Hello. And I, Meg Rogue Leader, was a space panda handing out treats to younglings. Oh, it was Halloween. That's the theme. Yeah. Yeah, all your costumes, what yeah. you guys were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was Halloween for Danny. I think that was just him. Hey, hey. That could have just been him, but he made a point of being like, experiments. <laughs> the jury's still out on that one. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Who knows what you do out there? <laughs> right. Yes. So speaking of no one knowing what I do out there, I have a question about Rogue One. Woo! This question is about style. So when you... Envision yourself going to the movie theater to sit down and see a Star Wars movie. What do you uh-huh. always imagine being the very beginning of that experience? A uh, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yes. And then the, tra- and the crawl. The crawl. So, with our Star Wars story films and with our new styles and experiments in uh, new forms of storytelling, do we want to see a crawl? Yes. Discuss. I s- yes. I say yes. I say yes also. It's still a Star Wars thing. Like, all the books yeah. have the opening crawl. Well, all the comics have the opening crawls. And comics like the have them. Video, video games have always had them. Like, it's just, it's like how you open a Star Wars story with a crawl. Exactly. It would feel weird with that one. And, like, 
I guess I kind of get the argument of like, oh, save it for the saga films. Like, let these have their own little different thing. But I do think it's a nice way to like make sure people know like this is Star Wars and this is how a Star Wars movie starts. Well, you like literally said it yourself. This is how a Star Wars story starts, and right, now that they're, they're calling call. them a yeah. Star Wars story, like, like literally, they kind of have to. I feel like they have. To. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's still Star Wars, even if it's not the main saga, it's still Star Wars, and so it just still feel like Star Wars, and I think the rest of the movie might not feel that much like it, because it'll have a different tone and, like, a different genre, sort of, and so, like, to have something that still unites all the movies like that would be good to have, in my opinion. Right. Yes. So, we we know that, uh, obviously, we don't have John Williams for Rogue One. Do you think that the opening crawl needs to be accompanied by that same piece of music every time? Or what if we have the opening crawl, but with different soundtrack behind it? Or is that uh, sound like essential to the crawl as the crawl itself? I think it is. I can't picture the crawl happening to other music. Um, I would think like maybe a different arrangement of the music, depending on the, um, like the tone of the movie, mm-hmm. like for rogue one, I would think that it would be maybe a little more somber. Um, or a little like just different. Um, right. Whereas I think for like the Han Solo spinoff movie, it should be like more jovial, more upbeat. Um, right. Because based on the writers, I'm going to assume it's more of a fun adventure story. So I think like the main tones of it, kind of how like in the trailer, they've modified things to have like a, a different edge to it. Um, or even just like, the slow down version of the Jurassic Park theme for Jurassic World like had a huge impact. It was memorable from what we all knew, but it was so different and it fit what we were watching. Yeah, you could easily just like add some more percussion and it would sound like more mm-hmm. of a more of a military theme almost. Yeah. So, I think it's doable and still be recognizable but still be its own thing. So, follow up, do you think that that's what's going to happen? We we said we want it to happen. Do you think that's what's going to happen? Maybe. Because I am currently of the mind that as much as we may want that, that we might not be seeing the opening crawl in traditional style. Don't say that. So as as a way to immediately distinguish this as being separate from the saga films. I'm not saying I want that, but right. I wouldn't be surprised if that was um, just because stylist, like, as as much as they could make the rest of the movie stylistically different, like the very first thing you see in the movie theater really does set the tone for the movie, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to know what they're going to do. Yeah, Mm. but then shouldn't they just take it off of everything? That's not a saga film. Yeah, like like we said, like the comics all have them and everything. Like it's been a consistent thing among all of Star Wars, not just the main films. Like, if you start up a video game and it still has the crawl, I I don't know. It would be weird to be like, oh, these films aren't the saga films, so no opening crawl, but yet literally every other thing that is Star Wars gets one rebels yeah i guess that's true well i mean the clone wars denied that. i think it's because it's such a shorter thing that it's hard to fit that in well i yeah. mean the clone wars well, still had like the fortune cookies i guess yeah well and the, the dude's voice was kind of the equivalent of the opening crawl wasn't it it was like his yeah. voiceover was definitely an opening crawl like catch up on what's happening because there's a lot of things you might not necessarily have seen on the screen but told the story of up till now Mortis, it was a, more a strange planet where strange things are happening yeah, like it was a more effective way for like a children to aim television show, right? Mm-hmm. To where they can just watch the pictures and not have to read anything. And it seemed dynamic and action-y rather than, you know, words. So 
and also easier to fit in a like 30 second speech versus a like five minutes spending on the crawl, like going up the screen for every episode. Cause you have 22 minutes. You got to make them count. Yeah. For what it's worth from outside of the star Wars bubble, my wife said it's star Wars. Yes, there will be a crawl. So, yeah. and, and everything so far we've seen is, is, is catering towards people <laughs> like your wife. So I, yeah, that's a good point. Cool. Well, Rogue Padron, we're all for the opening crawl. That's our official stance. I I really like the idea of hearing variations on the on the opening crawl theme based on yeah, the, the tone of the the movie. I, I think that's a cool idea. That could be cool. And if any of our listeners wanted to, you know, compose that and and send it our way, I'd totally be down to listen to that. So. Yeah, you're telling I'll people the president if you actually do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so great question, Danny. But let's now that we've really hit the stride of the book. Let's get into the chapter discussion. Oh, do we have to? Yes, we have to. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> so, chapter 17, which starts at the end of... They had just come back from the Battle of Hensara, which was the super easy rescuing of the Frigate of Yavin. The Frigate of Yavin. The Battle of Yavin Frigate. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Uh, um, I love that. And... <laughs> What, Saf, we weren't you the one that, that, like, loves the word frigate? I'm freaking out here at the moment. I, that's so <laughs> upsetting is, to me. It is such a good word. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, gosh. So, all the rogues came back alive. And when we the chapter opens up, it is the rogues celebrating. Pilots all talking to each other, telling about the different moves, how they vape those ties. Um, and with Wedge, Tycho, and Captain Afyon... Um, and another table talking amongst themselves because they're higher up cool dudes. And so a little bit about um, Captain Affion. He's the captain of the Iridian, which was a cruiser that helped them out at Hensara. And he's another Alderanian. So you in the when they're talking, you see that there is a little bit of a resentment going on between Rogue Squadron and the rest of the military. And it's kind of been something that's went on since the Alliance, right? Um, like the beginning of the lines, the Battle of Yavin, where Rogue Squadron has been toted and sent around as heroes, whereas everyone else just kind of gets forgotten about, even for all of the hard work and sacrifices they've had to make. So, and we know that Wedge has been playing this game with the military, with the Provisional Council, that that's what Rogue Squadron is. It has to be an effective weapon, but it also has to be an effective symbol. So, I really like this whole conversation. Um, that's going on right now and there's a part in particular that I will read because I just thought Wedge was so cool (laughs) and he continues um, to impress and surprise me with his sass yeah yeah I'm falling in love with Wedge a little bit he's really good he knows exactly what's going on oh yeah yeah he's so smart yeah and when you think about him like Originally, you would kind of see that he's unassuming and like he's a very smart guy, but not necessarily the most like perceptive person to like know where exactly everything stands. But he does. He knows what's going on and the purpose of everything around him. So as he's talking to Afyon and Tycho about, you know, the difference in sacrifice and um, what's going on, why Rogue Squadron has been held above. Um, He says, 
Well, now this question has to live up to its name. The New Republic is using us as a symbol because it's easier to blind people to the blood cost of war when you get to celebrate the heroic efforts of half a dozen people. Luke Skywalker is easy to admire and want to follow. Han Solo is a man who rose from nothing to become a hero in concert with royalty. Me, I'm the quintessential soldier who does his job very well. But what is that job? Two things. Neutralizing Imperials and the part I take most seriously, keeping my people alive. So Wedge is just the coolest. He's so cool. I think that's just really what it yeah. illustrates there. I I like obviously I knew who Wedge was coming into this, but I never really noticed him or paid him much mind when I watched the movies. I'm really excited to go back now and like obviously he's still gonna be pretty one dimensional in the movies, but now yeah. that we're you know, learning about him and falling in love with him, like I understand why people love this character now, which I never really got before. So Yeah, this is, yeah this same. Is I was always like, fun. Who is he? Why why do people care about this man who we see like in the background basically? Like he doesn't matter, but now I understand. Like besides I, his he awesome name. So much. I'm sorry for doubting Witch. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love how much shade he's always throwing to the big three as well. It's like Yeah. I love those characters, but I can imagine being a military leader in the rebellion. It was kind of like, oh, it's the Lucan and Leia show a little bit, and like you never really got your due. And mm-hmm. that's coming across a bit, and I really like that. Yeah, well, it's like, there's a pretty good picture painted now, I think, with the new canon as well. Like, with Moving Target, we see that Leia was always put up on this pedestal, and that people had to throw down their lives for her in every situation. And whether or not they understood why that was necessary is ambiguous. And then Luke, just some rando kid, right, come in and suddenly he's the best fighter pilot and a Jedi and all these other like things that shouldn't be possible. And then Han, who's a criminal and, you know, doesn't have a good reputation, doesn't really act like he cares about the rebellion at all. And they're the, what they're the most respected and like hailed leaders of the Alliance. And so then people like wedge, like Akbar, like all the other generals and soldiers kind of get shoved to the side for this like miraculous trio that's Mm -hmm. there. This yep. ragtag bunch of randoms. <laughs> there's um yeah, like... th- there's an awesome scene in The Princess, the Scoundrel, and the Farm Boy, which is the young reader adaptation of A New Hope by Alexander Bracken that wasn't in the movie where it's basically Wedge and Luke meeting for the first time and Wedge is basically Mm -hmm. preparing Luke for the trench run and doing the simulation and basically the takeaway from the scene is that Wedge is like completely blown away by Luke's skills like Luke knocks the simulation out of the water he I think he beats everyone's records or whatnot and and I really enjoyed reading that scene if you guys haven't checked the book out you definitely should um just for that chapter because like it's it's fun to see how wedge is like so enamored and and like impressed and then to go you know jump three four years later where we are now and just be like it totally makes sense how now he's just rolling his eyes at this guy because like he just continues to be you know <laughs> the best ever and wedge is like hey i'm just a he's unattainable it's, right yeah right did it get into at all luke's impression of wedge just uh, curious not some i didn't i didn't pick up on much characterization on wedge so much okay. like like we see him here in the in the X-Wing books, it. yeah. We're like, we just want more Wedge. <laughs> I mean, at first, uh, like, Wedge was the best from Luke's perspective when he first arrived, and Luke was, like, trying to impress him, and then Luke, you know, does his first run, and he kind of messes up, and Wedge gives him this inspirational speech, and then Luke gets in there again and, and like, does. does awesome, and, yeah, so. So what you're saying is everything is thanks to Wedge. Everything That's what I'm is hearing. thanks to Wedge. 
<laughs> have you guys ever had a wedge salad? What? Yes. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Is it like wedges? Yeah. It's, li- it's like a wedge of yeah. lettuce just on a plate. Yeah, What's like the- they cut like from a whole head of like iceberg lettuce, they cut a wedge out of it and serve just like that as a whole piece. No, that that mm, wait, no. It's the kind of thing that fancy people do. I can't tell. This isn't fancy. This is old, just sad. Old, the thing that old people do. <laughs> I can't tell if you guys are making stuff up right now to mess with me are you... because of my yeah, seat, Google or if this is a real. This. Thing. You should definitely Google wedge salad. Google this. Ew. <laughs> that looks. It looks kind of gross. Wait, I gotta go. Although, I mean, wait. I don't like the things. There are some like really crazy ones where they're putting crazy stuff in them. Like buffalo yeah, I mean, like in a... your wedge salad. Oh, I actually, I could dig this. Like a... I'm looking it up now, and I could, I could dig this. Yeah, if but yeah, basically, the premise is they take a quarter of a lettuce, a head of lettuce, and then put stuff on it. <laughs> Throw a blue cheese like dressing on it. Yeah. Uh, Bacon. Okay. And okay, I could be into that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next time we see each other, we'll <laughs> anyway. go out for wedge salads. And get an X-wing tattoos. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, salad and tattoos. I like it. <laughs> Gotta stay healthy. <laughs> we we sure know how to party. <laughs> as long as we're done by nine. <laughs> yeah, get sleepy around nine. <laughs> okay, so um, the other good part of this chat between the three higher ups is that um, Tycho and Affion are from Alderaan, so they both have the same kind of vision and view of the world, um, and so they're kind of talking about the state of the rebels versus the Imperials and how it kind of is. And um, a good quote from there is all Imperials are rancors and they see us all as nerfs discussing about how they have to generalize both sides. They can't take people as individuals. You have to be that everyone on the Imperial side is bad. (laughs) And all the Imperials think that everybody in the rebellion is like easy to squash and um, dumb. There's for the taking, right? It's a it's a herd animal. It's it's cattle. Um, it's a resource. So, but obviously we know that it's not like that. But that's the game that they have to play. I underlined that quote so part, hard. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but I probably just got excited uh, because the, rancors were mentioned. Anyway. I did. I also was like, oh yeah, rancors <laughs> and nerfs and nerfs. Well, yeah, we know Heath loves his yeah. nerfs. <laughs> 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 Accurate. <laughs> Checks out. <laughs> so the best part of this chapter, though, is what happens in the last. This next part. Something we learned that Noir event is a giant <laughs> when he's drunk. Yeah, he he's a lawyer. What do you <laughs> expect? I love. He like <laughs> most people like get drunk and dance. He like gets drunk and makes fake trials out with his friends. Do you not? Is that is that not what you're doing for when you're drunk? Oh, Saf. I have seen drunk lawyers <laughs> and this was like the epitome of like greatness. <laughs> so good. Noara, calm down, dude. He's so, he's so great. I just thought so, it was so like I like watching these guys get together and like have fun and bond and then he's like, "You know what?" We're going to decide who's the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, come on. You're That's not nice. <laughs> so in their contest, pilot contest things, they try to decide who the worst pilot is. And by worst means, they get zero kills or the lowest amount of kills. Which, unfortunately, this first time is Gavin. Gavin. Uh, oh. poor little Gavin. And he is oh, so embarrassed at this time. <laughs> like, he just wants to leave. 
when I read right this now. chapter, I pictured Gavin being like five years old, and he's just like, <laughs> I know, like they're treating him like that. This for little sure. kid who's like trying to ride his bike, but like fell, and they're like, "You're the worst." <laughs> yeah, right. And so the punishment they decide for the being the worst pilot is going to be you have to be the helper of the best pilot. Um, so of course that's going to be awful. And for the best pilot, there's a competition between Bro Jace and Corin, of course. And Ugh. but there's a discussion of whether it should not it should be percentage versus straight kills, um, because for straight kills, Corin would win. But for percentage wise, as in who killed the most TIE fighters out of all of that they went up against, it would be Bro Jace. So rather Corin finally doing something like nice for once. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. This yeah. is and this is like probably getting down to a little too nitty gritty. But I so I thought that R- Raisati was the leader of Two Flight, right? Or is it Erisi? One one of the girls is the leader of Two Flight, and so I'm wondering why she yeah. was like. I thought that meant that she was one of the best pilots. So why is suddenly Bro Jace like the second best? Oh, because it's on on kills. Oh, uh, okay. Wedge is looking yeah. at more than just how. Yeah, the pilots are gauging their best pilotshipness in this based on the number of kills that they just got at Hensara. Okay, so different from how Wedge is evaluating them, which is probably a little yes, more well rounded yes. and legitimate. Yes. Can we talk about <laughs> how... being babies. Right. Yeah. Doing it by percentage is a terrible way to do it. Absolutely. I'm, it's I'm, the worst. I'm sorry, bro. You're just going to like hide during the entire battle and take on one time and be like, 100%, I'm the best. Right. No. Exactly. exactly. It's, so, it's so unfair. Like, like somebody could take on like 20 and then maybe like take out like 10 of them and it's only be like 50%. No. Nope. Not it yeah. took us so I many. Mean, that's a pro case thing to do, though, right? Yeah. Just like linger, yeah. linger in the background, do like one cool thing and be like, I'm the best. No. I'm the number one. Okay. Um, <laughs> I understand this chapter better now. Thank you, Pod. Yes. <laughs> so Corin um offers to share his kills with Gavin. So from for so going forward, him and Gavin get the same number of kills. Um and that either is really great for Gavin because he's now considered the best pilot, but really bad for Corin because now he has zero kills in addition to his. And so depending on how Gavin does in the next engagement, he could still bring nothing to the table. And so Corin says that Bro Jace can decide whether he wants to use percentages or straight numbers um, after the next engagement to see who's the best pilot. But until then, they all get to share. Either way, Bro has the advantage, so he's cool with it, with the exception that he can, at any time, they can go one-on-one, like head-on-head, you know, in a pissing match. So... (laughs) I wish they had a literal pissing match. <laughs> so good. And so Gavin's like, Corin, are you sure? Because Gavin's confidence is not good right now. No. Um, it's but Corin sticks with it and we'll see what happens from that. But because Gavin now shares the same amount of kills as Corin, that makes Noara Ven the worst pilot with only one kill, which is obviously <laughs> something he was not expecting. That's what you, sucker. what you get for being a drunk lawyer dick. <laughs> and then Wedge makes a great pun. Um, he makes a law pun about, um, let's see if I can. Because, of course, Wedge oh, would make a law pun. Yeah. I, I laughed really hard at that pun, actually. I know exactly. I, just, I thought it was good. Uh, where oh, we? he says, yeah, 
Um, but the idea of a lawyer getting the sentence instead of his client has some appeal to me. Oh. <laughs> I was like, but you're the worst. Oh. So sad. So, uh, I have to say, these uh, sections of the book where it's just like the pod or the squadron. Oh, I did it, Seth. The squadron, like hanging out <laughs> and drinking and bonding and things. Like, obviously, my favorite parts of this book. I don't and if we could just read about them, like, bonding and having fun and getting to know each other, and if they could just never go to battle because I'm getting really attached to them, that'd be really great. So let's just end here and call <laughs> it a night, and uh, I'll move on with our lives. See ya. No, keep going, Danny. <laughs> no, I don't want to. discuss. No. <laughs> Actually, so it jumps, chapter 17 then jumps over to Kirtan Lauren, um, and he's going over the data from Hensara and using math and assumptions, he figures out <laughs> that the rogues are on Palacia. You know what they say about That's assumptions. Just, it was like four pages of him figuring it all out, which is cool but also that's fine <laughs> <laughs> got it i'm kiritan yeah. Bohr. with my math and my assumptions i'll figure it out yeah basically <laughs> this is His why you learn maths in school yes. for exactly yeah, this you find your enemies <laughs> trek down rebels stay in school kids <laughs> no ti-83 oh. can do that that's true <laughs> wow <laughs> Throwback. That's a that's a '90s kid calculator joke right there. <laughs> oh my god! I want a droid in Star Wars named Ti eighty three. Ti eighty three. That's oh just like god. super primitive and only does basic arithmetic. But then there's also the Ti eighty three plus. Right. And it's a little shinier yeah. and can do a little more. Right. And then the Ti eighty oh four, which you can uh, turn upside down to say boobies. On. <laughs> I want a droid that says booby. <laughs> 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 I used to have this game on my TI eighty three where you were like a drug dealer and you like what yeah <laughs> it was like a text based game and you were a drug dealer and I would just play during math class all the time. I think you Jeez. were learning the wrong thing in math. <laughs> I got I got straight A's. It was fine. I think okay. we're avoiding our chapter discussion here, guys. No, yeah. not at all. We were, we were gonna go right. That's the end for this week. That's nope. It. Nope. <sighs> nope. Stormtroopers okay. infiltrate. <clears throat> yes. Okay, so I have a crack 18. theory about the start of this chapter. Okay. And I'm probably way off base, but there this chapter starts with Corrin like sensing that something is wrong. Do, yes. Is he force sensitive? I think he's force sensitive. And I know it's crazy. Do you want a real and... answer to that question? No. Or do you just don't give a No, question. obviously not. It's the real answer spoilers. Yeah. Don't... Don't give a real answer. Okay, I don't want a real answer then. Oh, now suddenly I think my theory isn't so crazy. I honestly, I think it's just because he's trained so long. long like he's he trained. Yeah, he's been in like you know, you can like, you can feel it. He's a cop. When something's not yeah. right, and like like because it would be like I don't know, it would like uh, when you're in a situation where something's not right, it feels not right. And I think because he's been in so many of those situations, he just is kind of attuned to it. Yeah, I but buy maybe that. Maybe useful since it's What do I know? I mean, I I'm ninety percent sure that it's just like his training as a pilot, right? Because they keep hitting on how he's such a good yeah, pilot. He, but he's a pilot. He's ex highly trained um, security force, right? And um, like, and even in the chapter, he says that like the feeling that he gets um, is a lot akin to like really bad situations where he's been in, like undercover 
like a lot of cops have or like law enforcement or anyone in those kind of soldiers have like the gut feeling of crap things going wrong right um so it could be either way but hmm. that is how the chapter starts corn wakes up sensing something's wrong um and uh. oral's not in the bed in his bed but he's never in his bed, bed, apparently. He can sleep, like, zero and be fine, which is awesome. And I also want that. Right. I want to that's be that's that's awesome. Yeah. The more... We learn a lot about Gans in this chapter, and I think they're awesome. <laughs> so they have a super strong exoskeleton, and they are have better vision and, like, sensory things than humans do because Oral's walking around in the night and everything's fine. And they never um, sleep. Who? Do we yeah, see they never Gans sleep. in the movies? I don't think we've don't seen them. Think so. Okay. And like it's obvious that they're as strong and deadly as like Wookiees, even without any weapons, because like they make it a point to be like, oh yeah, Oral just stabbed his hand through that one stormtrooper's helmet. And it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it was he actually like, really he hurt him. He's like, what ifs? Intricately described. Yeah, like the, that's like, just what his hand's for. <laughs> diamond shape of his fist. And they seem a little yeah. less unpredictable than Wookiees. Like yeah, I feel like with a Wookiee, you never know what you're gonna get. They're a little like, uh... but the game right, on a whim, they could just be like, throw you away. Right. This species seems like they're like just as powerful, just as like great in battle, but also like we have our senses about us at all times. Yeah, they're they're much more controlled, and I think like when we learned earlier, kind of about um, oh my god, the way that Oral sees himself has a lot to do with it, right? Like a Gand. Has, can only get their name once they've achieved like so much. It's a lot more of like a humbler society. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So stormtroopers have invaded the compound. Um, Corrin does some math that I don't really understand, where he says that stormtroopers go in like troops of nine, but there's two dozen <laughs> there <laughs> because nine doesn't evenly go into two dozen. <laughs> So, it's fine. It doesn't really matter, but I was like, Corin, your math is off. <laughs> you might yeah, be force I... sensitive, but you can't do math. <laughs> I thought I was just bad at math, and that he was right. So, I was like, I was like that doesn't sound right, but I don't know anything. And I just kind no, of can't read. It's not right. It's okay. Not right. <laughs> Thanks for reassuring me in my yeah. bad math skills. Yeah. Don't worry. So, Corin and Oral are out trying to save the day, or at least stop the stormtroopers from blowing up the compound. And, um... Corin ex- accepts that he's going to die tonight, and he's okay with it. And in a moment of enlightenment, he realizes that he wasn't fighting for himself. He was fighting for them, a.k.a. <gasps> his other teammates and Cue rebels the hero and music. Stuff. Yeah, so a little bit of character development there. Good job, Corrin. Um, and the first, per- the first people they come into um, are... Gavin and Sheil in their room. And one, oh, I forgot to mention this before, but it's really cute that Sheil has definitely taken to Gavin because as he's being humiliated with the pilots about being the worst pilot, Sheil like growls. And it's really obvious that he does not approve of the treatment of his wingmate, which, <laughs> which is, is funny, adorable. Because Sheil's a wolf man and they're up to no good. Yeah. Like the super scary wolf man with a death mark, right? And yeah. then cute little Gavin, and I love it. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So they come to them. They're both fine. Um, 
because Shield and Oral can both see in the dark, they go off to um, around the perimeter to see if they can stop the stormtroopers. And Corrin and Gavin continue to stay in the hall. Gavin's never handled a blaster before, apparently. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Surprise, even though I feel like that would be basic training. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> and um, as they're going through the rooms, trying to find the stormtroopers and, like, snuff them out, they can tell that a pilot died because there's a stormtrooper in their room. At least one pilot is dead. Uh, they don't know whose room it is. And Gavin gets seriously wounded, um, trying to run into the hallway, firing wildly. And Corin makes it a little bit further, but in a firefight with some stormtroopers, he does get hit in the chest. Mm. And he can feel his lung collapse. He knows he's out, but he's ex- like I said, he's already accepted it. So there is a peace upon him about what's going to happen. And but in the end, Wedge ends up saving him and taking out the stormtrooper is about to shoot him point blank range. And Corin thinks he's definitely going to die because he can smell curly and brandy. But in reality, he just fell on a carton of it and is sitting in actual brandy. I hope like if I die, I smell really nice alcohol. And I'm just like, yep. Right. Because okay. <laughs> he flashes back to his father's wake where everyone's the best way to go out is, you know, wake of all of your friends and colleagues saying nice things about you in Carillion Brandy. And he it. hopes that's what happens to him in the future. And that's where that chapter ends with that huge cliffhanger of is Gavin dead? Who's actually dead? What's going on? Oh, no. So at the beginning of chapter 19, um, Akbar comes to visit Wedge as Wedge is watching over Gavin and Dory, who is severely injured, even worse than Gavin and Corin, who are thought they were both dead um, in the back to tanks. We find out that it's actually Eugene Forge who was killed in her sleep. Oh, oh, oh no. And Dory is her roommate, who was seriously injured. And they talk a little bit about how Wedge talks about how no one expected to ever like be murdered. Being murdered is the same thing as dying in your fighter in a firefight. Um, Can I read this? Yeah. Yes. So it, it says, Lujane was a fighter, so having her die in her sleep was, well, it just made it worse. She was murdered, not killed in combat, and I guess I thought we were somehow immune to that sort of ignominious death. Ugh. Ignominious? Doesn't Ign- matter. I don't know how to even say it, death. but I'm, I'm sad either way. Yeah. yeah. So th- I this was this was really powerful. I would did not expect to be as affected by this, but are any of you Game of Thrones fans? No. Um, I was. No. Yeah, I'm kind of not into it that much either, but like this actually reminded me of Game of Thrones, which is not something I ever thought I'd say on a Star Wars podcast, but the <laughs> fact that like it was just a, an kind of unglorious, unexpected like death that happened to this character who's like a fighter, a pilot, like should be killed in combat, like defending the Imperial, but then instead to be murdered in cold blood in her sleep. And that's, that's kind of similar to a lot of the themes that we see in Game of Thrones where it's, you know, these big, these pilot or not pilots, these fighters, these knights, these warriors who end up getting killed in really inglorious and unexpected ways. So that's what I immediately, my brain went to when I read this after all the emotions, of course. I can understand that. Yeah. And I did not I expect not to, okay. to have that happen in a Star Wars book, and it definitely was, I thought, very powerful. I don't know why yeah. I didn't I didn't expect it to be Lujane, and I'm really, <laughs> she was the only one I was overly attached to. I'm really not happy <laughs> no, about this. Sad. I loved her so much, and she's already did. Of course well, she's yeah, she was, to go. she was set up to be, like, this sad. big, important character, 
And I mean, of course, right. it's not going to be some anonymous pilot. Corin. Yeah. Yeah, we had that big Jane. scene at the beginning of the book, which was so much fun, and we were so excited to learn more about her. And then, ugh. no, we'll never learn anything. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty sad. She's she's dead. She Maybe Lou Jane will show up in the new canon. <gasps> that would be awesome. It's possible. She lives. They should hire me to write a book, and then I'll put Lou Jane. Maybe, in it. or you could maybe just write a Felicity book Jones and is put playing Lou Jane Forge. <gasps> oh my god! Don't do that to me. No, that's <laughs> too much for me to hope for. <laughs> that would be amazing. That'd be so amazing, so good. But <sighs> and uh, also shout out to Andorni because yes. she's a Banff. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm, I'm glad she's still around. Because we haven't yeah. gotten to experience anything with her yet. It's true. Um, I mean, I think obviously the stormtroopers had left her for dead um, mm-hmm. in that room because she wasn't just like casually shot out in a firefight. She was also probably the same point blank like murdering technique. Stormtroopers are the but, worst. Yeah, stormtroopers are the awful. <laughs> and um, you heard it here first, folks. You know, stormtroopers. Stormtroopers are, bad. are the worst. <laughs> And Wedge and Akbar talk a little more about how they expect certain rules in war and that the rebellion tries to live up to these standards of only hitting military targets, of, you know, not hitting medical frigates and all these other things that they think is the proper way to wage war. And, um, you know, Wedge mentions that. But if they were as honorable as we are, we'd not be fighting this war, which is the sad truth of it is that no matter how good, and I mean good as in the actual meaning of it, the rebellion is to be, the Imperials will never come up to their level. They're always going to no. be coming in in the night and shooting you in your sleep. If I they was thinking about that last night because like the way the Empire became a thing was like, Palpatine was an awful person and like he kind of insidiously took over the entire the entire republic like from the inside like he just snuck in there yep. and he was just such a bad person who could convince people to do things. things yeah and so like the rebellion can never take over the empire in the same way like they can never do it because they could never use those means to bring it down from the inside in the same way that Palpatine did and like mm-hmm. I was thinking about it last night, and that they will like there will always be those factions, the Empire factions that will be out there, like how we have in this old canon and also in the new canon. Um, like you're seeing that a lot as well. And I'm just like, this is so frustrating because if we were bad people, then we could win this fight, but then there would be no point right. winning the fight because then we'd be bad people. Yes, we'd be them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's rough. This it's rough. Their talk is rough. But Akbar tells Wedge to get some rest. And that they're going to strike back at the Imperials with the aid of General Salm and his Y-Wings. And Wedge goes to visit Corrin and Gavin after they're pulled out of the Bacta. And they're practically good as new. Little, They have their Bacta sea legs. Um, Thank goodness they're not allergic. they stiff in places. But they're not allergic, so they're all right. <laughs> and... I would love some Bacta right now. That's <laughs> all I want to <laughs> say. <laughs> <laughs> like, I read all these chapters this afternoon, and I was like, oh, what I wouldn't give to just, like, be in a Bacta tank that would just take right? this all away in a few hours. Anyway. Yeah. But Gavin goes on to talk about how, when he's told that Lujane died, 
And um, him and Lou Jane were close. They were working together in like astro navigation um, because she was a nice woman and Gavin needed help. <laughs> and um, he talks about how they kind of go and, oh, well, how can you have not known anybody? You know, you're from Tatooine. And he talks about, well, like he knew Owen and Baru, but not in the way that they were close and that like their death really affected him. Um and so this is the first time he's really had to deal with those emotions. Whereas I'm sure for Corin and definitely for Wedge, like they've had their comrades and their friends and their families die before. Corin's still like crying about his dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he won't <laughs> shut up about it. I mean, no offense, Corin, but yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad now. <laughs> <laughs> crying about his dead dad. Important like, note Gavin refers to them as Mr. Owen and Aunt Baru. So cute. So cute. Once again, reinforcing that five year old image that we currently have of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and we learn a little about Gavin's dad. So him and Biggs are cousins and um his dad is his dad um versus Huff Darklighter, who was Biggs's dad. And Huff is this guy who they're talking about the the Lars's homestead, right? And about Luke sold it off to some alien, and Huff wanted to bring it into his like hand. Um, and so, rather than buying it right from the alien, going to use his like political ties to start some like alien tax, so he couldn't afford it anymore. Whereas Gavin's dad went out and just bought the farm for a fair price from the guy, and now it's his. And so that's the kind of upbringing Gavin had, where it's very straight and narrow. But then they just talk a little bit about Biggs, because Gavin talks about, well, Biggs was eight years older. No one really wants to hang out with their, like, eight-year younger cousin that much. And so he never really knew Biggs. And probably by the time Gavin could really get to know him, Biggs was off in the academy. Biggs was off fighting the rebellion. And um, it was just a really sweet memories that Wedge talked about Biggs, about to do better and um, be fair. And that's why he kept like egging Luke about, you need to go to the Academy. You need to go to the Academy because he knew Luke was great and that he had so much potential for more and that he needed to actually go out and do it. So that was just like a really nice part that we got to learn more about like one of the heroes that we only got to see on screen for like three seconds. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of chapter 20, we have Wedge and Tycho going over to meet with Akbar and General Saul. And on the way over, Emtray is quiet for a change. And that sets, that makes uh, <laughs> Wedge and Tycho feel a little unnerved, but they're not going to complain about it because yeah, me too. they like the silence. Yeah. <laughs> at least he's not, at least he's not winking this time. <laughs> he could be winking. <laughs> so. <laughs> Once they get into the meeting, they find out that M-Tray, like, secretly sent new flight suits to General Somm's Defender Squadron to make peace with them, which was also a surprise <laughs> to Wedge and Tycho. But they decide to let it go for now, obviously, since it puts Somm in the good mood. They find out that they discovered the Imperial base is on Raychuk, and they're going to go um, cripple the base in Retribution. And they so have a discussion the about... that's where Kiritan is hanging out right now, right? That's yep. what they discovered yep. there? Okay. Yep. And Imperial base that the uh, attack originated from. Right. Based on, like, the rash that they get on that planet. 
This it's, is so weird, by the way. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, so... They did an autopsy in the Stormtroopers. They have a particular rash that only happens <laughs> on this particular planet. So... Nice. CSI Rogue Squadron, apparently. I was not... Right, I was not in love with that little plot point. (laughs) No, neither. Neither. It's it's interesting. (laughs) So then they were talking about how Rogue Squadron was discovered, whether it was spies, with obviously General Salm eyeing Tycho, or old traps (sighs) that were set, and they obviously kicked off some sensors once they moved into the base on Talisia. Or if it was just blind luck, which they kind of decide that it's based on luck or old patrols. There isn't any real water to um, say that it was a spy or was not a spy. So that's still just on the back burner. And so Taika will be working control on this mission from the Iridian, which was a personal request of Captain Afyon, which I think was cute. And, of course, Salm still doesn't trust him, so he's going to have someone up there with them who can who will decide whether or not he wants to relay the orders to the like the y wings or the x wings or whatever so there's still that going on what is the, the squad will be i was having a hard time reading like is it just friendliness between these two alderanians like yeah i kind of feel like you know when you're two of the only people that survived on your planet you don't like you don't have a choice but to be buddies but was there was there any like tension between them or were they just like yeah we're cool Tension was between like Rogue Squadron versus the rest of the military, right? Um, Which is who Afyon is representing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that like you know the Ridian was also at the destruction of the second Death Star, but they weren't took taken on parades to kiss babies. It was only like Rogue. It was only <laughs> the four remaining members of Rogue Squadron, right? Right. So, so Rogue Squadron is going to be down two pilots. Um, and Dorney is obviously not fit to fly and go take over the Jane's X-Wing. So they're going to be flying not at full strength. And that's what we get as far as the plan for crippling the base at Ratchet. And so it cuts back to Kirtan Moore, who is on Talisia. It was his idea to send like a probe drug first. And um, it was a uh, general or Admiral Devlia's idea to just send one platoon in the middle of the night to take care of it, which was, you know, kind of a mistake, obviously. Mistake for the Imperials, great for the rogues. Yes. And as the rogues left booby traps all over the base, and so stormtroopers are dying as they trigger them, and Kirtan Lore, you know, makes a comment about how stormtroopers are hardly people, are they? And it's, it kind of... Later, we see the contrast between the memorials for the people who were slain at um, the base on the rebel side and how they honor them and, like, you know, use them as, you know, a reason to keep fighting versus the nonchalant way they cast off soldiers um, in the Imperial. In case we weren't sure yet who the good guys and the bad guys are. Yeah, and just in case you didn't know, they're still awful. (laughs) So Lore is requested back at the base um, by Imperial Center. And so he's heading back to where the rogues are going to attack. Um, and just a side note, Lore refers to Isard as my mistress, which just grossed me out. Oh, yeah. this um, I want to read this, too, because, like, I was just imagining... This was so out of the blue, this quote, right? Like, I was imagining him as, like, the supervillain, like, twirling his curly-ended mustache. Just, like, so creepy. 
<laughs> Tremble you shall, little man, and ignoring me you have angered my mistress, and I suspect her anger can be decidedly lethal. <laughs> that part was just gross, because that's not what you call a commanding officer. Right? He's right. the head of Imperial Tell, everything on Coruscant, and he calls her my mistress. Kinky. Blech. <laughs> so that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> With that gross note, well, then we go back to the memorial for the rebels, and um, Wedge says some inspirational words, and they shoot the cons of space so they will float into the gravity of, like, a star and then, you know, burn there, which is pretty cool. It's, like, way to go out for sure. It's pretty cool. It was so sad. Yeah, it was... Yeah, over Lou Jane's coffin, they had the symbol of Rogue Squadron with a single X-Wing cutaway. Yeah. Slay me. Uh, oh, my heart. <sighs> my heart is, uh, uh, destroyed. I'm never going to recover from this. I'm going to be bitter the rest of the series. <laughs> oh, sad. At least it happened early. We have so long it to did. go. We have so <laughs> many right. more it's wonderful okay. pilots now, to lose. Now I've lost my heart. Halfway heart, through book one. Gone. You'll get it back, Saf. You'll get it back. <laughs> no, I want Eric. Saf is the tin man of our pain. podcast. Want more pain. I don't want to love again. I can't be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> this happens to me in everything. My favorite character always dies like in the first episode or the first book or whatever. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so with that sadness, that's where we end the chapter discussion for this week. Uh... With coffins <laughs> on their way to the sun to explode. Oh, what a way! I to love go. that visual. I I love that visual though. Actually, like them sort of like floating off into space. It's an it's a really poignant send off. Mm-hmm. Who will be next? No, I don't even care. I don't even. Gavin. <laughs> I don't even Gavin. care anymore. It's gonna be no, Gavin. no, Gavin. Not Gavin. No, not Gavin. I thought Gavin was a goner in these chapters, actually. Because Rogue Leader, you're kind of hinting that something bad was going to go down, so as soon as they mentioned that Gavin was going out there in the line of fire, I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Oh, Gavin, my precious baby. It's okay, he'll die in the next half of the book. Stop! (laughs) So, (laughs) next week we'll discuss Gavin's death. <laughs> Tune in for more fun times with the Padres. Deaths. Should we discuss? Spoilers? I know. It's so fun. Uh, so uh, speaking of death, on to discussion questions. That's not. On to the romance. <laughs> that transition doesn't make sense, but we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> no. I don't know. So last week we. <laughs> speaking of corn last and romance is kind of gross. Yeah, it's like death almost. Um, we asked, who do you think Corrin will try to romance? Um, we got a couple of good responses. Diash said, it's been almost two decades and I still don't care about him enough to ship him with anyone beyond canon. Wow. <laughs> Keep it real, Diash. Wow. wow. That's kind of rude, but kind of awesome. Um, Kat shrugged and said, Mirax, the more interesting question is who I'm not shipping Wedge with. Oh. And then there was no well, follow up to that. No, no oh. follow up. What? Who are are you? Wait. All, are you all shipping with someone? Who are you not shipping? I'm with? shipping wedge with me. I, I think what that tweet meant was that she's kind of shipping wedge with everybody. Got it. That's fair. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. And then Nancy told us Tycho if he wasn't obviously dating Wedge, otherwise Mirax. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Nancy. Duh. <laughs> yeah. 
good. I could see it. Um, and then for this week, our new question is, if you were the best pilot, what chores would you have the worst pilot do? Are they a good cook? Because they uh, are. Uh, I think yeah. it depends on the pilot. Yeah, if they're good <laughs> at making food, I would just make them make me food all the time. I hate cooking, so that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I like cooking. And I, I'd I have like them the, like wash the dishes, though. Yeah, that that's the worst part of cooking is the dishes. That it I is. Have. It's the worst. I hate. I, li- it. I like cleaning uh, dishes, so I'm okay with that. Saf, so move in with me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll cook for you, and you can wow. wash the dishes. I'm okay with that. Rogue Pod is getting serious. <laughs> um, I like the idea of having the worst pilot like file all the paperwork and write all the reports and everything. You get to just go out and I like like, fly the missions. Like, and... File that threat for later. Um, I'd probably have them like finally detail my X-wing oh, and my droid, nice. like shining. <laughs> yeah, like That's give it a good wax. Dude. Yeah. Like, give them a toothbrush and be like, clean my ship, thanks, bye. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say ship. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I would do. Those are good. What about you, Danny? Uh, I don't like this question because I have crippling self-confidence issues, so I have a hard time imagining myself being the best and ordering the worst around. I can only imagine myself as the worst. <laughs> so, my... <laughs> Response to this question is that I would take the worst pilot under my wing. This is dark. (laughs) I would take the worst pilot under my wing and I would tutor him in my brilliant ways of X-Wing piloting until he became, or she, or they, became the best pilot. What the hell? Why are you the nice one? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, clean my X-Wing, slave. (laughs) Use this toothbrush. Yeah. Do the dishes, cook, <laughs> use the toothbrush to clean, <laughs> buy all the paperwork. Dave's like, Dave's I'm going like, to make them a good yes. pilot. Okay. Young one, let me show you the ways. Maybe I'd make them feed my rancor. <laughs> that's oh, yeah, not a euphemism. Your super scary pets. Yeah, I was going to say that. That sounds <laughs> <laughs> Feed the beast. Tweet us your answers, <laughs> and we'll read them on the show next week. Oh, that we will. <laughs> so, if you want to find us, we are... I've lost what I was saying. Sorry. Um, <laughs> if you want to find us, our website is farfarawayradio.com slash episodes slash roguepodron, rogue-podron. Our Twitter is at roguepodron, where you can send us answers to the question, our email is roguepod at farfarawayradio.com, and we are on iTunes at the Far Far Away Radio feed. So next time, be prepared to read X-Wing Rogue Squadron, chapters 21 through 25. It's downhill from here, so be prepared. Oh. Is that like an emotional down? Oh. No, like the, the story the is like suck? coming. Oh. The climax is coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like we're over the halfway point. Okay. Kind of thing. Yeah, we're going to get some resolution up in here. Like, oh. Not like everyone's going to die from here. No, good. Don't Thank worry. God. No, we've still got a bunch more books to die in. We still have Gavin's yeah. death to deal with. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're upsetting me. <laughs> I'm so upset. My babby. My precious babby. Uh, 
And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Oh, sorry, that's me. (laughs) 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 And with those tears, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. Stop everything. What? Carrie Fisher just liked my tweet. What? Oh my god. What? What tweet? What tweet? So, um, 11.38. Hang on, let me find it. 11.38. Quote retweeted. She said something about, like, doing something with a rapper earlier tonight. She was, like, hanging out with a rapper. And 11.38 retweeted Mm -hmm. it and was like, I have no idea what's going on here, but I love it. And I said, I feel that way about 97% of what this woman does. And Carrie Fisher liked it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not surprised. Oh like That's awesome. Anyway, I love when that happens. Sorry, bad things are happening at the compound. No, no sorry. I t- I was meant to do that yesterday, and then I was drunk. <laughs> I drank like five alcohols before getting on the plane. Five units of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I actually changed. I was drinking at one bar, and then the lady, the bartender, was really cute, and I thought she was judging me, so I got up and went to a different bar to get more. Nice. <laughs> nice. People do that in real life, Seth. <laughs> do like, what? This bartender cut me off. I need to leave. Well, I mean, she didn't cut me off, but she was cute, and I was scared, so I left. People do that in real life, too. That's fair, yeah. <laughs>